From Santa Barbara, California, the Timeless Voyager series, where the knowledge is timeless and you are the Voyager. Interviews with leading-edge authors and speakers, psychic phenomena and the unexplained, UFOs, extraterrestrial encounters, government cover-ups, alternative health care, new technologies. Fasten your cosmic seatbelts and join me, your host, Bruce Stephen Holmes, the Timeless Voyager. Hello, everyone. Bruce Stephen Holmes for Timeless Voyager. And today, my guest is Ellie Molina. She says on her website, Are you ready to crystallize your dreams? And then she says something that I really like. Let's work together. That's so important. Because you can't do these things by yourself. And that's what we've all learned recently. Um, She says, dreams and visions can be frightening to think about. And she goes on to say, she has allowed people to actually see a change in their personal reality by just her incredible psychic gifts and her mind power tools. Clients realize their own inner potential, break through the limiting barriers of conventional wisdom, and they achieve outlandish results. Our guest today, Ellie Molina. Hi, Bruce, and thank you for having me, and what an honor and pleasure, and whoa, am I excited to talk to you about all those things that you just read. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you know, it's it, we, we, we had a little bit of an, an earlier meeting about what we're going to do today, and, and we'll see what happens, but I, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, listeners and, and viewers, um, I, I don't want to take someone as important as Ellie and compress her into a group of 10 points that I start asking her about. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. One of the things that I do in my personal business and is that as my client, one of my clients tells me, I teach people how to fish. And so what happens is they'll have often come to me first for a psychic intuitive reading. And I want to share an incredible story about how a reading can be turned into a complete unbelievable manifestation and an asset. So I was working with a client a few months ago and during this reading, I just saw this incredible heart. I mean, basically such a big, large heart. This client was so full of love and I kept referring to it as big love, big love. There's just this big love. Well, Through listening to the reading a few times, because they are recorded, she had divine inspiration. And she works in an industry where she creates plant-based food and treats and snacks. And she's known and recognized in her industry. I'm not going to mention any names. She took that inspiration from the reading 
just kind of came in and created this amazing chocolate-based, natural plant-based product and named it Big Love. And it is out on the market. You know, it is successful. It is full of love. It is just packed with powerful energy. And these are the kinds of results that some of the clients get. It's that kind of divine inspiration or personal inspiration that comes. And then having somebody be, quote unquote, the cheerleader or the person who teaches others how to fish, how to create these manifestations, that is a very uh, powerful realm to be working in. And I'm very honored to work in that and co-create with others. So I wanted to share that story because I just found it so inspiring. It is inspiring. Let's talk about the idea for a moment of, and, and this is this is where I, you and I were talking about something, and I said to you, I said, when you use the term manifest, sometimes I think about the idea that is a person really making something happen or are they creating a direction so that it can happen? I use the word manifest um, pretty much synonymously with goals. Believe it or not, you know, you want to call it goal setting, goal setting. You want to call it creating intention, whatever you want to directed focus, whatever you want to call it. I happen to like the word manifesting because it feels a little magical to me. It's a co-creation. It's, you know, we set that intention, but there are steps. There are really steps that we need to take on our part. There are actions that we need to take on our part that we can then co-create with universe. Again, here we go with labels, universe, God, energy, source, whatever you want to call it. So we co-create. We don't do all this on our on our own. We can, you know, and and you've heard these. These are cliche, you know, sit on the couch, wait for the stuff to happen. You know what? It can actually happen. Just want you to know that it can actually happen. If you are meant to sit on your couch, you know, co-creating and, you know, something you you play jackpot, okay, and you win that big lottery ticket and you've never left your couch, okay? Well, you know what? You can create, but you took an action, all right? So there are a lot of steps in manifesting, goal setting, co-creating, and um, yeah, we don't do it alone. We, it's not well, it's a solo process. Yeah. Let me interrupt for a second. I like the term co-create. Uh, more often than not, I feel that there's a lot of people out there who talk about manifesting and they seem to give the impression that you can do anything you want. And and that's when I start thinking about the idea of where is the ego in this thing? I mean, is it is this something that people really want to do? Is this something that is that is quote unquote right or wrong? Let's say you want to manifest a new car, you don't need one but you want to manifest it. And it gets into this idea of, of me, 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 me. And I like the idea of the term co-create because from my point of view, it, it kind of softens the idea and makes it just a little bit less ego, at least in my mind. Hmm. Yeah. Well, now we're working with different levels of consciousness in terms when you say that. Okay. So for me, when I hear you say people want to manifest a new car or they want to manifest a different car and it's ego-based, um, perhaps, and perhaps they just need this car to make them feel more significant or make them feel more important. 
Perhaps that's the reason. And again, what people are looking for, whatever their desire is, you know, it's really, it's really not for any of us to judge. So if you do, if somebody does want to create or manifest or get a brand new car because they like the feeling and they like how they feel in that car, well, you know, by all means, go for it. You get to create and manifest whatever it is that you really want if that's what's important to you. Um, When I work with clients, um, I'm just going to put it out there. We usually work on things that are more of a transformative nature. So it's not so much, I'm not so much working with people who want a new car. I am working with people who want to globally change the planet. They they want to gl- work globally. They're transformers. They have new products. They have ideas. They have new, um, new creations that they feel will help humans. So it's, it's, to me, it's, we're working on a big global scale and we're, you know, putting things out into the world and they have ripple effects. And, you know, if some working with somebody who's a healer, look at all the people that she or he are now healing and working with. If I'm working with someone who is in the film industry, look at the quality of the film that they're producing and all of the people that are then influenced and working in that in that realm with them and the difference it makes for the world and society and culture. So it, again, these are different levels of manifesting and where we're operating at. So does that make sense? Like, and again, wherever one is on this journey, that's fine. You know, if you want to manifest a new home, by all means, like go for it, get a new home. It's beautiful. Go get yourself where you feel comfortable and beautiful and need a new car. Go get it, you know, have fun doing it. Um, it's just, it's all a journey, really. It's where we're vibrating at. You know, I hate to sound cliche, but it's really where we're vibrating at. It's where our focus is. It's where our intention is. It's where we are in the scope of all the planet and eternity. Let's talk a little bit then about the concept of, of manifesting, because from my point of view, um, you have a lot to offer there, but m- don't people need to know something or what, what do they do? What is a, a good way? For example, I know that right now, as we're speaking, you have a uh, manifestation course that's going on. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, I'm doing a manif- I'm doing a 21 day manifestation journey on YouTube. And my intention was to keep people focused on their intentions. So, you know, create your intention. So Stay- that's, there's an important point. That's just to not make a list, but I'm just saying there's an important, important point. Very often people are really excited about something they want to do for like 10 or 15 minutes. Uh Uh Yeah. And then the follow through is what needs to be done. Maybe you could speak more about that. Right. Well, that's really, it's remaining focused. You know, there's a whole lot of stuff involved in this. So you say you want something and we all want different things and we can want till the rest, till the cows come home. We're always going to have more wants and more needs. However, there are some things that are really super important to us. And these are the things that I encourage people on the manifestation journey to select the things that are really important. And during these 21 days, I guide them every single day. It's under four minutes. Usually I keep it about two minutes. I guide them to redirect their focus. You know, during the day, we go off on so many different tangents and we get so distracted that we forget 
who we are. We forget what it is that we really want. We forget what it is sometimes that we're even doing. And so having a reminder, basically having somebody, again, remind you how to fish, okay, so that uh, you can continue to bring these tools to create and to have what you want in your life. It's just a reminder, Bruce, you know, it's again, a little kind of like a vitamin every single day. All right. And this is a 21 day vitamin protocol. And then people can take it and do what they want with that, continue to practice or, you know, get distracted or know how to use this and fish. Well, I mean, anybody who's fished understands that this is a great, it's a great analogy because frankly, uh, I, I used to do trout fishing with my dad years and years ago when I lived in New Jersey. And um, it was, he always enjoyed the idea of the uh, brook fishing instead of out in the, the lake or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so all we would do is we would start at one end of this creek and let's go all the way to the other end, constantly like going into all these little nooks and crannies of all the areas for the fish. And what I'm, where I'm going with this is that there was a joke that went around quite often from a lot of a lot of my father's friends and i of course listen in and they would kid and say that he could catch a trout out of a toilet it was ridiculous the fact that he could get so many fish when nobody else was getting anything and yet when i observed i saw what he was doing i couldn't do it but i saw what he was doing he was intent the entire time Everybody else, if we went with other people, they'd be talking about different things we were going to do, and they were talking about all these. And so where was the intention? He would, like, separate himself from everybody. He wouldn't talk to anyone. He just had his eye on the prize, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, and that's a great story, Bruce, and a great example. And that is what it is with, you know, manifesting and creating and goal setting. It is keeping your eye on the prize and remembering and yet to be able to loosen the grip a little bit so that it's not this like, oh, I don't like that kind of energy. It's really um, a flow. You know, there's a woman, and I'm just going to share this story. Her name was Helen Hadsell. You may be familiar with her. She was known as the contest queen, and she worked very closely with Jose Silva, the Silva Mind. He he was the creator of the Silva Mind system back in the 60s. And Jose taught that by going into the alpha state, and visualizing one could create anything, basically. One could visualize and have it and, you know, put it out there to the universe. And Helen really learned, she learned how to do this. And then she created something known as the spec method, which is select it, project it, expect it, and collect it. Now, Helen was so good at this intense focus of selecting, projecting, expecting, and collecting. She won a house. She won a a motor for her husband's boat. She won countless trips. She got so good at this that she really never had to pay for very much in her life, perhaps other than groceries. And then she wrote books to teach this. And then her books were published later 
uh, and where she self-published them. And she worked with Jose Silva also to teach this method to other people. And this is back, you know, back in the 60s and early 70s. And the reason why I mention her is that she was so vibrant and so alive and so good at this. There was that level of confidence. She knew that if she, she knew there was this intense knowing, I know that this is what's going to be. So there's that unwavering knowingness where we trust the process. We trust. That's the expected. Yeah. Yeah. And we trust it so that, you know, the old, you know, the old analogies where people say, oh, don't pull the seed, don't pull the plant out of the ground to look if it's growing. Well, you know, that's exactly what some people do in these in when they want something so badly. Okay. So they keep pulling it out of the ground, looking for evidence that it's working and we got to relax into this and just allow it to come. And then when the evidence starts to appear, then we have it, you know, but we really need to trust in the unseen because that's where it is, where everything starts happening. In that analogy, I I remember I've used that many times. Um, An additional part to that, or at least one that I used to always use is that when you weak you weaken a plant you keep weakening it the more you look at it the more you bring it into the sunlight the root systems they're not supposed to see the sunlight Mm -hmm. and so eventually you'll kill the plant if you keep doing that and so i guess in in this i don't want to speak for you but i assume that that's one of the things that keeps this alive because that's what you want to keep it alive keep it uh strong let's see spec what was the select it project it expect Collected. Projected. I like that. Now, tell me, maybe be more specific on projected. Are you talking about visualize it or what are you saying? So in projecting it, what that looks like is we see what it is that we want. Um, All right, let's take this huge. I'm so curious. You know, we just had this two point something billion dollar lottery win out of California. Okay, and I am fascinated by lottery winners. And if you if anybody, this is just tangent. Anybody watches my YouTube channel, you're going to see that I have interviewed lottery winners and people who are involved in manifestation because it happens to be. Um, something that I'm just fascinated with the process of what it takes to win the lottery. Is it just luck? Are they fishing? Have they been thinking about it? So we're going to use this as an example with the spec. So what Helen said is we would select it. Okay, I'm going to win the lottery jackpot. Then I would project it. So what that looks like, if you're projecting that you win, well, what is that? You have to put yourself into the film. If you're looking at it visually and you're creating a film, you want to see yourself in that film. Maybe you're um, jumping up and down with your family, screaming about your winnings. Maybe you're looking at your massive bank account. Whatever that is for you in terms of the projection, but you put yourself into the scene. You see it, you feel it, you feel it real. As Neville Goddard teaches, the scene is real. You feel it. And then you kind of let it go. I mean, if you remember Shakti Gawain, she spent, she had an entire book called Creative Visualization. She was also a student of Jose Silva. And she took this information and then created all of these wonderful visualization techniques. Uh, one of them is called the pink bubble, where you project it into a pink bubble and then you just let it go, pink balloon or something, you let it go to the universe. And you let it, you let it go. 
and you expect it. So this is that expectation. You know, you don't go, oh, I hope I win the lottery. I hope I win the lottery. No, you expect, you know, my number's going to hit. I don't know what day it's going to hit, but I know my number's hitting. I know my number's hitting. And then you just go and collect it. And um, like I said, that was just one example because it totally fascinates me. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I like it. And I, and, I, and I think the important uh, thing that you're, that you're either alluding to or bringing up every once in a while quickly is this idea of being engaged, engaged in the process. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, you just can't think of it while you're having breakfast and then it's gone for the rest of the day. I'm assuming, I don't even, I don't know, I, I don't know, I don't have any, I never think about lotteries and things like that. I was a gambler once, I mean, a long time ago, and I stopped because I didn't have the uh, the ability. But, um, but to come back to what we're talking about, um, let me put in the form of a question. What more does a person need to do besides these few things that you've spoken about? Not that they're not important, but there must be a deeper aspect of this, or maybe I'm looking into it too much, but uh, a deeper aspect in the in the area of of uh, desire. I think desire. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm making something up, but I've always thought of the word desire as being just a little bit deeper yeah. than wanting. Um, maybe you can comment on that. Well, here's this is where it gets interesting, Bruce, because it, it is semantics, and then at the same time, it's also emotion. So if we think about what are the emotions of wanting, well, it depends on the individual. If you're always wanting, 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 you know, like that kind of, for me, when I hear want, now this is just me, this is my experience, that when there's a want, it feels so far outside of us as if there's a bridge that will be very challenging to arrive at. So that is part of the the idea of the the want i want to win the lottery it's like oh, i want to win the lottery i want to win the lottery okay that's nice you want to win the lottery or you want that person in your life it's like this wanting out there it's not in here meaning in here in here okay and when you think about the things that you have achieved and this is i tell my clients all the time Think about the things that you have achieved, that you said, you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get that. What was the difference in the emotion? And nine out of 10 times, they will share with me, they knew, they knew that this was going to happen. It was a knowing. Now, what does a knowing look like? It is not desiring anything. It's not wishing and wanting. Knowing is an internal kind of guidance system, if so to speak, that there's no question. There's no doubt. I know I'm going to get that. You maybe think about a job that you may have had, you know, where you apply for a job back in the day and you know, like, oh, there are all these candidates. And yet you knew that you were going to get that job. How did you so, know? So mm-hmm. the important word here was feeling. Mm-hmm. And a person needs to be able to, first of all, they need to be connected to their feelings. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people out there that are not real connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I've been one of them. <laughs> I, know, I know what it's like. Um, so, again, you're mixing this then. The feeling is part of this. So it's a process. This reminds me of, in the Vedic scriptures, they talk about Ritambara Pragya, which is a way for the thought 
to become manifest. I realize we're talking about the same thing, just different different ways. But the process has always intrigued me, and the process was just basically the same as what you're saying. First, there was the thought, then allowing the thought to go into that area, which I would call the transcendent, and then letting go. That was such the most important part, because if you don't let go, mm-hmm. you begin to interfere with it. Mm-hmm. That's right. That, that balloon, if, if the balloon is going up and you keep <laughs> pulling it back down so you can't lose it, then, of course, you've, 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 you have lost it then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's letting go. It is that releasing. You know, people use the word surrender to the universe, surrender to God, surrender to the power and let it unfold in its own due time. There's a great teaching, if anybody is interested. Neville Goddard um, was a teacher, uh, let's call it a spiritual metaphysical teacher, and most of his stuff, he really didn't, he never wrote a book. Um, his lectures were printed out and they're available and you can get them in, you know, on Amazon or wherever. And there are also countless lectures by him on YouTube. And Neville, one of Neville's really most powerful, not most, he has so many powerful lectures on this, but one of them was where he spoke about everything in due time. And for example, you know, when a human gives birth, it takes nine months. Uh, a chicken, I don't remember how many, what, hours, days, okay? Other animals, years. So everything has its time. And he talks about this in terms of the in terms of the universal, in terms of timing, so that there are things that have to happen in the universe behind the scenes or wherever these things happen that do take the natural amount of time. What is the natural amount of time? We don't know. Only I'm going to give you um, an example with a client that I was just speaking to the other day. Three years ago, she had gone to, I can't mention any places, she had gone somewhere and she said, I am going to work there and I am going to earn X amount of dollars. And she had this feeling, I'm going to make that happen. I'm going to work there one day, not one day, I'm going to work there and I'm going to earn this amount of money. And three years later, and then she forgot about it, kind of let it go. But it was a very powerful feeling within her, Bruce. And she let it go. And then last night when we were talking and she said to me, you know what? Last two weeks ago, I went to this particular place and I was standing in front of this building. And she now works there, okay, and makes more than what she had declared. Only she realized while she was standing there, she said, oh, my God, three years ago, I went to this building, and I said, I'm going to work there, and this is what I'm going to earn. And here I am now. I work there, and I earn more. Wow. Took three years. And she had forgotten about it until she stood there. But my question then, and I didn't ask, is did she really forget about it? Or was it still somewhere in the subconscious, maybe in the thoughts during the day, kind of sneaking around um, in conversations, maybe? You know, like, where was where was this? Was it really forgotten? Is that my question? <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's just a question for anybody. <laughs> If she's listening, she can. No, it's, 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 a, it's, a good, it's a good question because the, because the the issue then comes down to what do thoughts play in the part of this whole idea of manifesting? Are thoughts more or less important than the feeling? Is the feeling more or less important than letting go? 
the engagement? Is that, in other words, is there a hierarchy of percentages of power that make this thing come together? I don't know. I'm just just observing right now. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. It's, comment on that. <laughs> it's the whole thing is fascinating, and I, I just really love this. And and talk about like these things. I have to share a story. It's very very personal, and but it's funny. When I was in seventh grade, and here we go. This is like one of like one of my first experiences with manifesting. I didn't know what manifesting was. I was in seventh grade, and I had the biggest crush on this guy. Okay. Like, I mean, I followed him everywhere. It was almost embarrassing. Okay. The seventh grader following this guy all over the place. Probably more embarrassing to tell the story. <laughs> it was embarrassing for me to be following him like that. Okay. And to be sharing this. Anyway, I had Bruce, if I tell you, I went sleep dreaming about this guy. I almost failed seventh grade math because I was thinking about this guy. I mean, I whoa, this guy was in my head nonstop, okay? And then the year, the school year ended and, um, you know, came June and we, I went on summer vacation and I was gone for months and I forgot about him, you know, totally forgot about this guy, forgot that he existed. And then when I got back to eighth grade, okay, this guy out of nowhere started following me. Okay. It was like, what the heck? And I ended up being his little eighth grade girlfriend until the end of ninth grade. Okay. And the point is, that that's long that was, at that time. That's long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very loyal. Um, and the thing is, though, that I look at like that, and I'm like, wow, that was to me really that was like a manifestation. Okay, it was so important for me. You know, I really wanted this guy as my boyfriend, and I did everything that we would possibly probably do now as adults to manifest. Think about, pray, chase. I don't know, pursue, and then when I let it all go, this person came back into my came into my life. And it was such a powerful experience for me, Bruce, that I actually spent time thinking about it. Okay. So it wasn't so much even, oh, this is my new boyfriend now in eighth grade. I was very, I was very um, intrigued by understanding the process even back then. Okay. This started take, this began taking up a lot of my thoughts. Like, how did this happen? Like, what were the steps here? Can this be done with everything? Can this be done with other things? So it's not surprising, you know, like all these years later, you know, that I am still fascinated with manifesting. You know, it's interesting that you bring up this because I, you, you kind of like um, reminded me of something. Um, uh, you know that I, that I was used to be, a, I don't know, because I used to be, my, my, my day gig was that I was a musician full time. Yeah. But. But what's what I was thinking about as you were saying this was, I remember uh, when I first started taking piano lessons when I was um, probably about five, five or six years old, and I dreamt about playing the piano. Like I don't know how I I would I would look at my fingers, and I think to myself, how am I doing this <laughs> in my dream? But I was doing it, mm-hmm. and I think about it. I was a terrible student when it came to practicing. I was terrible. In those days, I don't want to get into the, let's just, I, I think it's an interesting story. In those days, of course, uh, you either learned classical music or you didn't. There was actually, there was actually nothing else you could do. Um, my teacher at the time, I can even remember her name. And I mean, we're talking about years ago, 70 years ago, at least. 
So I, 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 I thought to myself the other day, she had the wisdom to go out and find a little book uh, called Learning Boogie Woogie. And it was a little book made for kids. Okay. But I went through that, I went through that book in about, I don't know what it was, maybe two weeks, three weeks. I mean, it was supposed to be like a whole year. And I, I was, and I learned everything there was to know at that moment. And then it was back to the other stuff again. <laughs> it was a disaster. Finally, my parents gave up uh, on her and they brought me to another teacher. And after like a few months, that teacher couldn't make it either. And then we moved and I met this guy. And I, this was probably about maybe um, five years later. So I met this other guy and I was probably about 11 or 11 years old, exactly 11. And uh, I went to take a lesson with him. So he said, well, what do you want to learn? And I said, uh, I don't know. What do you do? Because he was a jazz player. And I said, what, what is it that you do? And he said, well, we know chords. I said, chords? Okay, tell me. How, what is a chord? Well, how does this thing work? So he said, okay, well, here's how the whole thing is. you got to know these scales. He wrote down one scale. Here's how you do it. The, the formula is whole step, whole step, half step, you know, a little formula. And then he said, uh, you uh, take the one, three, five, and the eight, and you'll have a major chord. And then, and then he said, and then he started writing down all the formulas. This is in my first lesson. So, <laughs> and I said, great. It was a half hour lesson. I said, that, that's great. So I left. I went home. And I'm not kidding you. <laughs> I came back and I knew every chord that he had given me in every key, all the scales. And I, I must have, they call it incidentally in, in the music business, woodshedding. That's like the kid goes out into the shed because nobody wants to hear him practicing the trumpet all day long. So that was my my second lesson. He said, okay, well, here's what you do. You apply it to the sun. He said, here's, here's a fake book. And I said, what's a fake book? And he says, here, you have to buy one. It's 10 bucks. Those days it was illegal. It was like a thousand songs from the 30s and 40s. Mm. So I said, okay. So I bought it. I mean, I, I don't know. That was a lot of money then. I, I bought it immediately. And he, had, he had one. <laughs> and I went home and I stopped going to school. I am not kidding you now. When I said to stop going to school, I made up every excuse in the book so that I could be home and practice. And I would practice from about nine in the morning until five at night when my parents got home. And I did that for about a year and a half in between. I would go to school once in a while. Most of the time I wasn't there. I missed 180 days oh my in, a, in a four day, a four year par period. Wow. And the point is, it's not about me. I'm just talking about a process. Mm -hmm. I believed I believed from that first day with the Boogie Woogie book that I was going to be a musician. Mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. all I did. I never thought about anything else. Mm -hmm. And the point I'm making here is not because it's, a, it's not really about me. It's about you but or, or about it, the idea. It's a, and I'll say it my way, it's a repeatable formula, though. That's mm -hmm. what I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that everything will come out the way you expect it to. Mm -hmm. Because that's what makes life really cool and really interesting in that you have this plan about what you're going to be. In those days, I was going to be Elvis Presley or I was going to be Jerry Lee Lewis or somebody like that. Okay. But the point was, it didn't mean I couldn't be a musician. It just meant that there were certain going to be certain limits. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and so I guess uh, I'm done talking because it's not fair for me to tell People want to hear. Yeah, listen, I love stories. It is a great story. Mm -hmm. So. 
you're teaching what I love about what we're what we're talking about here and what you do is you're teaching the people I I am assuming you're teaching them a repute a repeatable formula mm-hmm. that they can use. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm not asking you to give the formula out, but I mean maybe you could talk a little bit about what it is that you do and how and what people do in your uh, courses and things like that. Well, thank you. So when I'm working with when I'm working with my consulting clients, um, and my I call them quantum leaping clients. All right. So quantum leaping is basically my interpretation of this. Here we are, we are on this trajectory and right next to us is another trajectory and there it's a parallel universe. And that parallel universe is available to us because that's us in an alternate reality. And we are traveling on parallel roads. Only that other alternate reality persona that some people call it your future self. I don't like to look, I personally don't call it your future self because I believe that it is happening simultaneously. So that alternate reality persona is right here. And there are certain steps and things that need to happen in order to go from this trajectory into from this lane into that lane. And that is what I teach. And so it's over a few weeks time. It's not like a one, you know, one day program. Hey, let's do this. No, these are, these are steps that need to happen. These are lessons, you know, look, I was an educator for 30 some odd years. So everything that I do is pretty much kind of like school. And so here's the assignment. This is what you do. This is what you think. This is what you practice. And it's kind of like playing piano, right? And then all of a sudden, when the time is right, you the client, myself, you, whoever I'm working with, will then get in, jump in, like quantum leap into that other trajectory. And then the world becomes very different. It's breaking that hamster wheel, breaking the hypnosis, going from that state of hypnotic sleep that we think that we're so present to, and stepping into that world that we dream, well, not everybody, dream, now I don't know if everybody even wants that other reality, okay? So I work with people who desire, want, know, believe that that other reality is there available. They just don't know the steps to get there. Not everybody has that desire. You, know, you talk to a lot of people, I do, and in readings, and it's like, well, what do you want? Well, I don't know. Okay. Well, if you right. You, you don't know what you want. Hello, you stay in the hamster wheel and you're going to get, I don't mean to be mean or anything. You'll get default. You'll get what other people want for you. You'll work for somebody else. You'll come home. You'll put your money in the bank account or in the stock market. You'll be in the hamster wheel of other people's lives. And when you do know what you want. And this is why I say even on my website, sometimes it's scary. An example, let's take you, for example, you know, you wanted to be a musician. All right. And it can be scary to go from that trajectory to being that musician who's playing at the Grammys, who's getting the awards. That could be scary. All right. And there is a process. I hold your, not you, I hold people's hands to get them to that because that's what they say they want. But they need someone who can teach them to fish, who can hold their hand, who can be there as the guide, the mentor, and not have an agenda. Now, I don't want to move too far away from what we're talking about, but I do want people to know that you are an author. And we didn't talk about any of your books. (laughs) 
because we we, we had we agreed we were going to do this one about manifesting, which is absolutely important. I mean, I think that hopefully people who who are who are interested will hear this because I think there's a lot of really good information here. But let's just take a moment and let's talk about you. You have two books that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Children who know how to know, and and Annabelle and the Domino. I mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. was it knows. Yeah. No, it's Annabelle and the Domino. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, so, so Annabelle, me, why, I know. I want to know about this book because we we only like glossed over this the last time. So let's talk about this book. All right. So this is a children's book. It's an illustrated children's book, and. Currently, it is only available on my website. I have removed it from every other place. And long story. And it is based on a true story. So back in the day, not too long, not too many back in the days, but in 2009, uh, 2008, 2009, I was teaching at a private school way up in the woods in Washington State. And we were working on lot of things. We taught the children neuroscience. We taught the children psychic development. We taught the children telekinesis. Of course, this is a private school, so the parents were all on board. And there was one little girl who actually did, her name's not Annabelle, who actually did move a domino with her mind. And after that experience, there were two other children that did it. And it was just, I was so inspired by this. I really wanted to talk about it. And I wanted other children to be inspired by it. I wanted people, even adults to know that this stuff is real and possible. So I turned it into a um, fictionalized story and it's illustrated and it's really about using the powers of your mind, intense focus, perseverance, practice, and that knowing that these things are possible. And so I look at it as a very inspiring story, and that's the story of Annabelle and the Domino. The other book, Children Who Know How to Know. So again, same thing, different principle. This now talks about, this book is a seven-chapter how-to, and it's not written for children. This is written for, okay, it's written for like maybe seventh grade and adults. It's a resource guide for anyone who wants to work with themselves or a child or children, even to really begin to develop their own psychic abilities. And there's a process and so I really go through it by with each chapter. You know, I talk about intuition. I talk about how the brain works. I talk about the importance of language, thought and language creating reality. I talk about the heart, intuitive heart and mindfulness. Then I uh, go into steps in terms of what does it take, focus, concentration, and then what that looks like. And I give concrete, specific examples of where this was used, how the children use it, how kids in middle school use it, how adults have used it with their children. And um, that's what this book is about. It's about the children who learn and then know how to know. Which just for the sake of, of, of argument, that's something that is important in the, in, the, in the sense that that would apply very much to what we're talking about already. Or they know how to know. Mm-hmm. I suppose they could know how to manifest. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. 
And here's the thing, Bruce, they know. And if you even think back to yourself and to your own childhood experiences, we know. And then what happens is adults, parents, movies, TV, you know, well-meaning intentioned adults telling little children, oh, that's not possible. Oh, that's nonsense. Oh, that's this, that's that, you know? And so then what happens is children, and even if you think back to yourself, at least I can think back to myself, we begin to distrust our knowingness. And now we're not sure that what we really know is true. Like, oh, yeah, I'm like, oh, that can't be so. And now I'm giving myself oh, tons of arguments why that's not true, okay? When you already know that this is true, and yet you, you're not going to you talk yourself out of it. And so the book really works on parents, teaching parents or adults or educators what to do to continue the process so that they do not talk young people out of their knowingness. And they can also connect with their own knowingness. Now we could expand that back into this manifestation thing again. Absolutely. Thinking about that as you were saying it, because that's, you're going to make, you're going to have all of those issues show up. Like if you said to somebody, yes, and I don't like to use the lottery, but I'll just say, oh yeah, I'm going to definitely win that, you know, an event, and, and you get then all the pushback. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And the question is, how much pushback can you take before you either stop being engaged in the idea, uh, and how strong are you about, about that? Right. And, and there, that's, that question has many layers to it. So number one, I always encourage everybody that I work with also that until you build up and we could use Elon Musk as an example. Okay. So if you don't have a very strong conviction that you're going to be able to do this, then you better keep it quiet. So if you're one of those people who is influenced by what other people think of you, like, oh, you can't do that. That's never going to happen. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, if you believe other people's opinions and then your own um, conviction begins to dilute itself and then you self-doubt, you might as well, don't even bother. You're giving that up. So I tell people, if they don't have that strong conviction, like an Elon Musk, I'm going to go buy Twitter. Okay. Like, okay. He says a lot of things and no matter what people say to him, even publicly and, you know, God, he's in the press and he has so much pushback. He doesn't care because even if he does care, I can't say he doesn't care, but his conviction is strong enough. His knowing is strong enough that it doesn't matter what the world or the network of conversations are saying about him. He knows what he's going to do. He knows. And so then if you don't have that strong conviction, that strong, and I put it over here to this third eye, the pineal gland, if you do not have that strong conviction, then you better keep your mouth shut, okay? <laughs> and you better work on that yourself, okay? That's an internal job. And so I always suggest to people, keep it under the, you know, just keep your mouth shut and you tell yourself, you tell me if we're working together, and then you keep your mouth shut for until you get close enough where you have that conviction where you can say, I'm going out and I'm doing this. And then you'll see that the world will start to support you and they will agree with you. And then all of a sudden, you know, there you stand, you know, in this created space. Now tell me something. Can, uh, is it too late for people to join this uh, manifestation on Facebook that you have now, but, but, 
will you be doing it again? I guess would be the. Oh, I, I do. So thank you. So I'm, I'm sorry. I'm interrupting you. I do it. Every, this is my second year. I started last year. I do. I, this is the second time I'm doing it. I'm calling it the annual 21 day manifestation journey. It's on YouTube. It stays there. It, it there's no end to it. So you, it's on a playlist. Anybody can go back, listen to it. You can oh. start December 1st, whenever you want. This is just, I started it November 1st and I'm dating it. And there, if you go back into the playlist, you can see what it looked like last year november 1st and the manifestations and some of the things that you know year has gone by a lot of changes mm-hmm. so a person can do this by just literally going up to youtube mm-hmm. oh well they but can't they, do all the other stuff they, they yeah, can't do leaping you know they can't do that but they can follow along on the manifestation journey yes then they don't get you to hold their hand though no. No. <laughs> we have a minute and a half to two minutes of me <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, this has been really great. I, I, I'm very, very happy about it. And what, what is happening next? Tell, tell, us, tell us something about what you're working on or what you're thinking about. Well, two of the things that are constantly, there are a few things that keep coming back. You know, the, you know, I call it the dream that keeps repeating. So the dream that keeps repeating is I have been, um, I have been in the process of writing a science fiction young adult. I'm not sure if it's going to stay young adult, but I've been in the process of writing science fiction. It's not really science fiction, honestly. It's really all true, only because it's so weird that I'm going to, you know how they always say fact is stranger than fiction? So it will go into the category of fiction. And because it's, again, dealing in the um, the realm that I work in, that I am putting it into the category of science fiction. So that is what I'm working on right now and have been working on that. And my intention, okay, is that this thing's going to get done. This book is going to get done yeah, um, soon. It's good because you see now you put it out to the people who yeah. can push back and you have to say, no, 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 I am doing it. <laughs> I'm yeah. getting it done. Yeah. This is going to get done. It's three quarters of the way done. It's just, you know, me being lazy. All right. It's, it's laziness, honestly, Bruce. It's just, oh, okay. And so that's one thing that I'm working on. And the other thing that, you know, that's a personal thing. And the other thing that I'm working on that I always work on because I just love this and it will not go away is I am all about let's call it psychotronic powers. I am all about bending the universe, doing bizarre things with um, telekinesis, psychic abilities. This is my passion. And a very conventional way of approaching this is through manifestation. Only my entire body is all about Oh, you want to shut off that fountain over there? All right, let's go play. Let's go do that. Let's go shut off that fountain. Oh, you want so-and-so to call you tomorrow? All right, let's go do that. Let's go create that. Let's go have that person call you. So that is my passion. And what that looks like to turn that into working with people, I haven't quite um, gotten there yet. I work with a couple people on this and I want it to stay out of the realm of let's call it basic psychic development. I am not in like, 
I'm interested in working with people who already know that they can, I'm sorry, people, if you're not at this level, it's just, I'm sorry, you know, like take your basic psychic development programs, take your remote viewing. I don't want to teach basics anymore. I want to work with people who know that they know that they can do this. And now they're ready for the next level of that. So basically that's where I'm going. Mm -hmm. So So people who are past the question, yeah, you know, again, there are all there's so many there's different teachers out there. There's nothing wrong with questioning. There's no. nothing wrong with researching, but but what what you're saying, or at least what I believe you're saying, is you want to work with the people that have already done that. There's nothing wrong with it, but I don't want to work with them. I want to work with the people that have gotten beyond that, so we can get to the next level. Think about a college course, okay? When you come into a college course, there's, you know, English 101. That's great. Everybody's got to start somewhere. So um, English 101, there are hundreds and hundreds and thousands of instructors for English 101, okay? And that's great. I'm looking for, I'm looking for English three point, you know, 301, 310 up there, PhD level. All right. That's where I'm going. Perfect. All right. Well, um, anything you want to say here as we as we close? Now, other than if you're interested in really taking your psychic development <laughs> to three point, you know, three oh one PhD program, hello, <laughs> um, I'm here, and uh, this is like next level of what's possible for our minds and where we can go. So. Uh, scrolling across is your uh, site. Is that enough for people? They'll find you. Absolutely. And you can contact, you know, anybody listening to this, this is not what we're talking about over here. This would be under quantum leaping and maybe mind power only really this would be under contact Ellie. Okay. And like, I heard you on Bruce and I am really interested in taking my psychic abilities to the next level. Well, I mean, I am very, very happy that we had a great program today. I, I really enjoyed it. And I thank you so much for showing up and being here. And I want to do it again. Um, I, I think the next time we should talk a little bit about Gurdjieff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's like a, this thread that is the end of the, the show every time we talk. Yeah. It's the last thing I said to you the last time. Um, but as, I think it's appropriate. Yeah, um, for for me, for both of us. Thank you so much. It was great. And thank you, Bruce. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to your audience. And um, I am so excited for people to really begin to use their mind powers because the whole other world is available to us when we start using them. All right. For the rest of you, thank you for listening to the Timeless Voyager series. My name is Bruce Stephen Holmes. I hope that your own personal voyage through life towards the development of your highest potential is a joyous and successful one.